welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune from U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Vikings emerge victorious against the NFC front-running San Francisco 49ers, just like we all saw coming, right, Ben? Yes, just like we thought they would do it, where they protect Kirk Cousins all night <laughs> against Bosa and Armstead and the rest of them, and overcome the fact that they were without Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison comes up huge. Yeah, uh, Cousins 35 of 45 for, I think, 378 on Monday night. Now winner of three of his last five Monday night starts. Yeah, it all makes makes a ton of sense. Right, Jim? Okay, I'll admit it. Wednesday, a media person asked me who was going to win, and I picked the 49ers. And I don't know why. Uh, I can't really – I can't tell you why. I just had a weird feeling that they had a – just because the league's so stupidly weird. It's like we see – every week we see upsets. The Vikings – I felt like the defense is getting a little bit better. 49ers are banged up. I just thought this might be an opportunity for them to get back in the race. Yeah, and they did. Trent Williams didn't play for the 49ers. Debo Samuel didn't play for the 49ers. The Vikings turned over – Uh, committed a turnover on their opening possession for the fourth time in seven games, yet they still overcome that by getting uh, three takeaways of their own, the first of which was a McCaffrey fumble forced by Harrison Smith. That caps uh, the the trade-off of turnovers on the opening possessions. Um, It felt like the Niners were going to crawl back into this one with the amount of ways that the Vikings kind of kept the door open. Um, including some pretty conservative decision-making. It felt conservative kind of on both sides there until Purdy had to air it out at the very end and gets intercepted. Um, but really, you, Ben, you brought it up at the beginning with the physicality, the, the pass protection, the, the running the football they were able to do at the beginning. But when that faded away, it was all put on Kirk. Yep. And 400 yards essentially for him, the most he's had since that Colts comeback last December – um, it was really put on his shoulders in some of these moments. And even when he made an errant throw like the 60-yard touchdown to Jordan Addison, it bounces the Vikings' way because Addison makes that spectacular play. Yeah, and he said afterwards, that, you know, the 49ers brought a blitz there. He was trying to, to get it out and then threw it behind him. He said, I thought it was going to be picked. And it certainly looked yeah. that way when he yeah. threw it the way where he did. If he is able to lead Addison on that, I think Addison walks in mm. for a touchdown. But, yeah, it looks like it's going to be picked by Ward, and then Addison comes back, takes the ball away, and basically did the same thing Ward did to him first series of the game. But, yeah, I mean, that that was uh, the type of play that not only does it provide the points you need to win the game, it gets at a little bit of this here-we-go-again sort of thing that I think Kevin O'Connell has had to fight with this group, especially with the younger players where they start to think, this is going to keep happening over and over and over where things are going to cost us games, cost us leads, uh, go against us in big moments. That, if they get this thing back together, maybe one of those plays they look back on and say that was really the 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 spark that they needed because, yeah, quite an, quite an individual effort to come out of there with that play and, and race the last 30 yards for a touchdown. You know, certainly one of the more improbable touchdowns I think we've seen around here in a while and uh, – you know, certainly will be one we see again for a while. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. 
Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, Jim, did your optimism survive the missed 50-yard field goal by Greg Joseph there at the end? Uh, no. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's funny. It's, it just felt like such a quintessential Vikings moment. They really yeah. deserved the win of the game. They're in position to win the game, and they run the ball up the middle and miss a 50-yard field goal and set up the 49ers with great field position. It did feel like, okay, you just blew it here. And, you know, I was sitting next to our, our colleague Chris Hine, we were talking about that decision. I'm like, I think you got to throw it here. And, you know, I tried to first guess. I was like, I think you got to throw it here. Hawkinson's been open all game. Uh, you have great matchups with him. I think Andrew and I were saying the same thing a couple seats down. Yeah. Throw it it's to like, the sticks. I think it's what it, you said. I, yeah. I was like, yeah. you, these receivers have been open. Cousins has been, has been playing well. He's been getting the ball out quick. Uh, he'll, he'll just throw it in the ground if he has to. I, I just felt like you make a first down there, you control the game, you end the game. So, I, yeah, it, it felt like a classic setup for a Vikings loss. And then Cam Bynum made, it, made another play. Yeah, Cam Bynum contributing or at least nearby for three of those takeaways. I think He might have had the fumble. Harrison too. It Smith, like his helmet hit it. Harrison Smith gets credited for it, but you're right. It looked like it was Bynum's helmet from underneath there that might have jarred that loose from McCaffrey. So he might have had all three takeaways. The old today. baseball thing where they check have the Elias Sports Bureau review it to see who should get credit for it. I, at hockey, they do this too. I, I don't know if you can do that in football to the same degree, but if they, if you can, I think Cam Bynum may have a case there that he actually forced that one too. Also, so, so this is what it looks like when Hawkinson catches everything thrown his way. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a lot easier to play offense when you have clean pockets and guys that catch the ball. George Kittle was asked after the game about Hawkinson's day, and, and he's obviously – they're close friends from their days at Iowa, and uh, he said, I'm happy for him. Not really. Uh, he called Hawkinson a little soft because he had the trainers come out and check on him a couple times. But it was a physical game and one that they needed TJ to play the way he did considering – uh, it took all of those catches from him and Jordan Addison to make up for having no Justin Jefferson. And Hawkinson had put up decent stats all season, but you got to watch the games. And he had, you know, bad fumbles, bad drops, uh, too many passes that you think, okay, the highest paid player at his position should probably pull that in, even if it's not very easy. And tonight he was great. Yeah, he really was. And does this say anything different about this Vikings team that we didn't already know? I don't think any of us were giving them much of a chance in this game. Uh, weird things do happen in the NFL, but they just hadn't put together a performance like this where yeah. outside of the the couple early the early turnover and a couple errant throws, they played very well. Yeah, I thought a couple days ago, especially when the injury reports come out, no Trent Williams, no Devo Samuel, I thought for a minute about picking them to win, but I was like, no, I still think the 49ers defense is going to be too much of a problem for the Vikings to pull this out, so I picked them to lose close, but... The way their offensive line especially played against that front, I did not see coming, both in the way they were able to run the ball early and then just like we talked about the clean pockets. I was talking with Brian O'Neill in the locker room after the game, and he was pretty fired up, pretty uh, pretty vocal in a way that you, you know I think you had a similar conversation with him after the Buffalo game last year, but it felt very similar to that to me. He's talking about, a lot of us were here when they put it on us in the playoffs four years ago. We remember that, and we remember how they acted during joint practices last year. He talked about talking a little too much, some late hits and practices. He basically said uh, in so many words, some of which are not repeatable for a family podcast, 
you have to meet the bully in the middle of the schoolyard and hash things out. And that's what we did. He basically said this one meant a little more to that group because they know the 49ers are really good and, and the players that they have, uh, obviously both at the top of that group. But uh, they certainly had this one circled, I think. There was some emotion for them in it. And the fact that they matched the physicality, I did not see coming. I, I think it certainly is one of those things that leads you to reassess a little bit if they can continue to do some of those things because it just was such a surprise to see them do it tonight. Yeah, Jim, I guess was, was the death of the 2023 Vikings greatly exaggerated or, or is this uh, not, uh, you know, is this just a nice win? Well, first of all, uh, we, just to say it, make sure we get to it, Brian Flores had a really good game. Yeah, he did. Uh, that's, even without Debo, that's a heck of an offensive group, great offensive coach, and they limited him to 17 points under any circumstances. It's really good. Here, here's been my thing, and the reason I have been saying don't talk about trading Kirk Cousins, don't talk about trading Daniel Hunter, don't give up on the season – Upsets happen. This was always a possibility. When I picked – before the season started, I picked this team to win 11 games. And I thought they'd beat three and four at this point. They are about to play six winnable games in a row. Six winnable games in a row. They go four and two. Then all of a sudden, you know, help me with my math. Seven and seven, six. Se- seven and six. Uh, they go five and one. Whatever. You know, in other words, they have a chance to go on a run here and get Jefferson and Davenport back and be pretty dangerous toward the end of the season. And it's the NFL. Don't give, if you have any talent at all, don't give up on the season. Well, it's funny because, I mean, you mentioned the three and four thing, and I, I think we would have said beginning of the season they lose to the Eagles, they lose to the Chiefs, they lose this one, and yep. then you figure you know one more in there somewhere, the Chargers maybe. Right. But they lost a lot of games that they should have won, or I think we figured they would win, mm. and – it meant that you had to steal one yep. of these two, and they end up losing to the Chiefs by seven in a game that they probably felt like they could have had. Tonight, I did not think – I mean, I think we talked about it two weeks ago, thinking the Chiefs was an easier matchup than the 49ers would have been. I thought this was a really bad matchup, mostly because of the defensive stuff like we like I mentioned. But they put themselves in a spot where they had to take one of these, and – the fact that they did, yes, they are very much in the middle of the race in the NFC, both in the standings and just because there aren't that many teams that you sit there and say uh, they're, there's enough teams in the mix that they match up well enough against that they certainly, I think, uh, have every right to, to play this thing out for at least a little bit. Yeah, the Vikings are suddenly the eighth seed in the NFC at 3-4. and four. They're 3-1 and one in their last four games. Like, right, like we all talk yeah. about. Like, yeah. There was no pessimism around uh, this podcast, certainly with the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and hey, they they deserved to get bashed for some of the way the, the ways they lost games and some of the obvious mistakes they made. But you know, as we said after that, I think we said on this podcast early season, you know, a lot of the mistakes are fumbles, and that should be something that is either random or correctable. You know, whereas just getting your you know, your brain speed in isn't always correctable. Yeah, and they didn't. They brought the fight to the Niners today, showing that they can do that um, in ways that, honestly, we haven't seen from this team in some time. We've seen this team from 2019 losing the division at home to the Packers to uh, the playoff loss to the Niners to um, last year at times, just physical teams bullying them and destroying their offense. Even the Eagles game on Thursday night in September. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we've, we've continuously seen this, and then yet we've seen the offensive line when healthy and together like tonight. Um, I mean, although Cleveland was out, but Reisner stepped in and, and really didn't seem like they lost much without Ezra Cleveland. We've seen them put together performances like this. You bring up the Buffalo game. That was another one of them where they stand up against a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contending team and put together that kind of performance like they did against the Niners today. I mean, yeah, why not? You're at this point when you mentioned if you got a shot, keep talent together. Like this team in an NFC that at least with the wild card race is pretty wide open. You're looking at a stretch here upcoming that uh, looks a lot nicer than than what you just went through in the first seven games. Yeah, I I think they somehow or another, and check me if I'm wrong on this, but I think they control their own destiny in the NFC North now. They're two games back of the Lions, but they play them twice. So if they were to uh, sweep the Lions and then play even with them the rest of the way, they would win the division. Wow. So, um, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, (laughs) and that I realize I just did, but it's – you know, it shows you how quick things change. Hey, one team, uh, one of the Bears won. I was going to say one NFC North team won this weekend, but the Bears also did win. But, yep. yeah, Packers, Lions lose in some embarrassing fashions. Yeah, and the Packers, I mean, they they go in there next week, but the Packers look like such a mess right now. Now, the, the NFL, the way it works, watch the Packers look great next week and knock the Vikings to 3-5. and five. I mean, that certainly could happen, but uh, the Packers – it would seem like they're catching the Packers at a fairly decent time, especially with more injuries, I think, for the Packers yesterday. Well, another thing here, Flores is killing young quarterbacks. Yes, he is. And Jordan Love is not playing well, and Jordan Love is a young quarterback. Purdy's a really good player, and he had trouble tonight. Uh, I, you know, I'll go ahead and make my early pick. I, I bet the Vikings win at Lambeau by 10 or more because I think Flores will mess with Jordan Love's head. I would pick them to win, too. Yeah, Jim, we had a, a question on our podcast last week about a listener asking about the Vikings losing Brian Flores next offseason already. And before this game, we were like, oh, that's kind of early, but, you know, maybe. But if he keeps doing stuff like this yep. and they turn into a relevant team because of their defense, yep. not necessarily because of their offense and without Justin Jefferson, it's he's putting together you know, and is going to get a lot of credit for that kind of a turnaround. Well, and I, they knew that. I, they, I had conversations with people basically saying, we – are well aware that if this defense is good, he's going to look like a hero. Mm-hmm. And my sense of things is that he's pretty happy here and pretty happy with this situation and and the way that even probably getting a little bit of a break from the head coach thing, I, I think he's going to be picky. And given the way that the last one ended for him, I think you'd have every reason to be picky. Um, and I think we've talked about it on Access Vikings in the middle of the week too, that rightly or wrongly, you're probably not getting a third shot. So you need to, even if you shouldn't have been in the spot where you are back trying to get into the head coaching race again, uh, he's going to probably have to be pretty careful with his second chance. So I, I would expect he'll be picky, but if they keep – doing this he's probably going to have some interviews to to pick through he'll have interviews but we don't know if, if an nfl team will hire him while he's suing that's the NFL. A really so, good point. so we can you know before we uh buy him his going away gift uh there are two ways he stays there are three ways he stays here one is they have a bad season uh two is they have a good season and he doesn't like the jobs that are offered to him 
Third is he doesn't get any job offers no matter how well he performs, which is a very real possibility. Um, Jim, before we go, I wanted to get your thoughts on Jordan Addison the night he had in context of Quese Adolfo Mensa's tenure with the Vikings. He needed some draft picks to hit, and at least that one has looked pretty good. He did. I also noticed that Kevin O'Connell praised Edgar Ingram tonight. Whether I don't, I didn't watch that Ingram. I don't know if that was legitimate or him just backing up as general manager. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, Addison was great tonight, and and hey, Caleb Evans uh, had another good game. So there are. It's not like. It's not like he hasn't drafted anybody good. It's just that the Lewis Seen healthy scratch looks terrible, especially because of the process by which he got Lewis Seen. Uh, Booth isn't doing much. Uh, they needed, you know, so they, they drafted two guys to turn the defense around who aren't turning the defense around. Uh, to his cre- and here's my view. You guys are closer to it than I am. It really feels like Kwesi tried to be innovative in his first draft and it blew up in his face. And in his second draft, he said, I mean, we just take a good player and just keep going. Well, it was close to not, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and they Ke- released that video the night of the draft. The draft night video of Kevin O'Connell wanting them to submit the name, and it's seeming Quasi seemingly being open to, well, maybe there's a trader offer here or there we might be uh, entertaining. Because didn't they have – I mean, we were watching the draft in the media room. But didn't they have a camera in the draft room, and it seemed like yes. this is not just like no paint by numbers O'Connell here. O'Connell was, was pitching. Yeah, yes. O'Connell was heated. Because then Brian moment. Grixon went walking through, kind of like waving his arms almost like, uh, I don't know if it was get the cameras out or just make the pick. I It did was not it not seem another like safety. It, yeah, it, it certainly did not seem like it was just an open and shut case. No. So, and because there was stuff in that video about that's a day one starter, we stuck to our plan. Well, and O'Connell mentioned after Jefferson went down before their, their game in Chicago – he mentioned, I was so happy when Quasey turned that card in. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like there may have been a little lobbying there. I'll also say there's nothing wrong with that being the process. If the sure. head coach wants to fight for a guy and really yeah. believes in him, that's okay. That happened with the previous regime, too. Yep. Just the, the last time they, they did defense. it. It uh, Yes. Well, and the trade down, I remember the trade down for Derisaw, Zimmer was uh, not happy to see Quiddy Pay and Jalen Phillips, and there was another defender that they liked that went off the board between 14 and 23, and he was joking afterwards about I, if Rick traded down again, I was going to say to like get rid of his phone so that he couldn't call anybody else. So that does happen, but in the Addison case, it certainly looks like they uh, – came out ahead by turning in that pick yeah yeah addison has six touchdowns now that is tied for the most through a rookie's uh, first seven weeks in nfl history tied with seven others including randy moss who has the nfl record with 17 touchdowns in 1998 and jamar chase who most recently did it in 2021 um it's pretty good company yeah he's catching underneath he's catching deep he's ripping balls out of people's hands for 175 pound 21 year old kid it's pretty good <laughs> no doubt. Uh, impressive. And and my real question was, you know, the way this game started, you know, the first route he runs over the middle, gets the ball taken right out of his hands. And after being jammed to the line, I'm like, yeah, OK, yeah. it's going to be a long night for the young man. And it was not. Uh, that was and that was a tremendous play down the middle. I still can't believe that happened. And you know, that was almost a, a Minneapolis miracle type play. I mean, if he if he stumbles, if he, you know, gets tripped at the one yard line, it's just a, it's a meaningless play. He found a way to turn that 
behind him throw into a defender's hands into a touchdown. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there were a few moments in this game where my mouth was just wide open. Like, what just happened? What did we just see? That 60-yard touchdown, one of them, the interception, um, uh, two were Cousins. Yeah, that's a good point because Addison's going to face press coverage, physical coverage. That's how teams are going to try and take him away. or Alexander next week, probably. Yeah, and Charverius Ward, who's very good at that, and and for the Niners did it uh, to start the game. And you're right, it seemed like that was going to set a physical tone that – um, would overpower Addison, but then Addison had the last laugh and then a few more after that. Um, so the Vikings end up winning this game, changing at least the tone for one more week, entering a pivotal game at Green Bay that is the last game before the NFL trade deadline. Um, do you think this game, though, has has changed the course or or at least subverted any potential sales for the Minnesota Vikings, regardless of what happens in Green Bay? I mean, I think the Cousins one was always going to be hard because sure. Cousins has a vote in that equation, and I don't think he has any interest in exercising that unless Brock Purdy were to go down in the next week and the 49ers yeah. said, hey, come on out here. I think that would be about the only scenario that I could see, or maybe Miami, I guess, but you'd need injuries to, to pretty uh, effective quarterbacks in either of those cases. Hunter, I don't think they're shopping him. I think they certainly are getting calls, and you know, they they certainly were open to the idea of a trade this summer. If the because the possibility existed that they were not going to get a, a contract done with him, and I think they were not ruling out the possibility they would have to move him. So some of those conversations may have started then and kind of be getting rekindled a little bit now. I would expect that they will set the price pretty high on him and if teams don't meet it I would expect he'll be here I I don't I didn't get the sense that they're like actively shopping anybody before this so I don't know how much it changes but yeah it probably doesn't hurt to be three and four and not two and five with a big NFC win yeah under your belt uh Jim you mentioned keeping talent when you've got a shot like this I would imagine your advice is to not just get rid of all the parts right now yeah why don't you go win the division and if you can't win the (laughs) division then win a wild card and try to be playing really well at the end and make I mean why throw away a season uh you know Jefferson is in his prime uh Hawkinson's in his prime Cousins, you might, might, who knows? It might be his last, your last year with a veteran quarterback who's highly productive. The guy's thrown for 2,000 yards already. Daniel Hunter is the, probably the second best player on this team. He's a 28-year-old edge rusher. Everybody is looking for 28-year-old star edge rushers. Why not get him done? Sign him long-term. Keep him around. Yeah, he's been phenomenal, has his ninth sack tonight, passes Everson Griffin for most in Vikings history, seventh most in Vikings history. Um, keeps climbing the leaderboards and looks phenomenal, as you said. And they do this without Marcus Davenport tonight as well, not just Justin Jefferson being out. Uh, it was a phenomenal game from their run defense. Some of the guys that we've talked about not playing well did uh, show up uh, for them, whether it was guys like Jonathan Bullard, some of the defensive linemen that weren't even getting playing time uh, for this group ended up coming up big. So um, we will talk to you guys next time, though, previewing the Vikings going to Lambeau Field Uh, where they will try to get back to 500 against Jordan Love. Until then, please check out all of our work at startribune.com.